Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Hi. Um, sorry. I was going to say hi to Hello. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep going. We're doing a pre-recording. We're not going back. Um, we're doing a pre-record because Dr. Mary's doing his day, second day of chair training, but he came home today, Monday, so excited about what he learned. So I thought we should just talk about that. And look at this. I totally forgot to put this up for heaven's sakes. I'm out of my game. We were we didn't even miss an episode. No, well, doesn't yeah, matter. The heat. It's the it's heat. heat. My God, the heat. Oh, Who can name that sitcom? All right, back to you. You can't, can you? I might remember to tell you at the end. Don't know what you're talking. Step, step. I give you a clue. Up. One woman, three men, from the '90s. Okay, go. Okay, so what we learned today in. Um, First thing we did was building a culture of trust. And it was all about how, as a leader, you're supposed to trust people. That was the first part combined with the second part. But on the way home, it dawned on me that these are the issues for a person to tackle addiction. Okay. Because one of the first exercise we did was define trust. You have to be trustworthy. In other words, you have to trust yourself Mm. So people know that you're trustworthy. You have to have trust in yourself. Trust in yourself, and we define trust as an action that you know needs to be taking place, but by its action will not cause undue harm to you. For heaven's sakes, what does that even mean? Don't put yourself in harm's way. Okay. But that's it. One of the tragedies I found about the first step of dealing with my addiction is I didn't know who to trust. I didn't. I certainly didn't trust myself mm -hmm. to make any form of logical, rational, rational decision. decision at all. So this was this really. I just thought about this, and we just kept going all the way through the, the trust exercise. You can apply that too. You can gain trust in others. You can gain trust in people. The exercises for basically how do you show you're trustworthy is to prove to people you can be trusted. It's the same hurdle you have dealing with addiction. It's the same thing that Dana and I are dealing with these modules for Ignited. Trust and integrity and the lesson that once an addict, always an addict is not true. Mm. Regaining people's trust, how you do that is by your first action of trusting yourself. Okay, so uh, my question for you would be, how did you, do you remember the first moment in your um, rehab situation where you thought, oh my gosh, I haven't trusted myself and this moment is a moment of trust? It, maybe a, it's, maybe that, it's not that. It, it, that is a fantastic question. For me, it, it wasn't a moment. That took place over a period of about two weeks. Okay, so say more about that, because I'm not sure exactly what you um, mean. I, I, did, I needed to trust myself that was something wrong with me. And I up until 
this fateful day when both um, my counselor and Dana um, handed me my biscuit on a plate. I don't know how else to put That's that. That's for you, Bonnie Bowman, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I didn't trust myself to make any decisions. I was still making excuses for myself. It was, I'm fine, I can sort this out myself, leave me alone. And I think it was, looking back on it, is because I was afraid to trust myself. Why? Because I, up until that point, I had a very long line of making real poor decisions in the recent past because mm. I, you know, just woke up from a coma and then 12 days after that, I was in a rehab center. So my tra my trust um, track record needed let, had a lot to be desired. Is it trust or faith? I, I mean, is it faith in yourself or trust in yourself? Because I, I think they're I, slightly I, different things. I think these two, in, in this instance, I think they're the same, hmm. I would say. Okay. For me. Sure. That, great question. But well, that's how I would have thought about it. Having faith in yourself and your ability is the same as being, is trusting yourself to have that ability. Hmm. Okay. So we then went on to how do you change a situation? People mm. can be afraid of change. And we did this great exercise of writing down why people are afraid of change. You know, we went through the whole thing. It's inevitable. It's necessary. We, you know, we got cocky and academic and I threw in the word evolution and it went, ooh, good word. Because <laughs> change to your, yeah, I said, oh, it's a change to your natural habitat. Yeah. But it is change is hard change is difficult and it changing your 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 habitat it stop being surrounded by um the feelings of inadequacy and drinking mm. that's changing your environment too so this is i don't know if you're going to be able to see oh look at that wow you can almost read this Where? well stop waving it around where are you focused yes so the blue one was circle of concern and circle of influence now if you're proactive in your ability to change your circle of concern thus is big okay if you um have a reactive focus or you have negative energy or you don't feel confident in yourself to change it it's so tiny. it gets tiny so all this out here is doubt and yeah. negative thoughts which is what this was about trying to affect a change in a department but this could be just about trying to get Life. sober yeah and that's what that's what i just thought this is brilliant what's the white so this is doubt as well it's yeah. just that it's littler yeah because you're being proactive you're thinking about positive things of the change so can you explain what does the circle of concern mean i don't really understand that so the circle of concerns includes those decisions and situations that are out of your control but if you're proactive about them, you address them. Okay. So, you say, so you're talking about like a budget yes. or something that's handed down. If someone down says to you. this hasn't been done before, we don't do that. You say, yeah, but we could. And this is how you can do it. So mm -hmm. you're proactive about negativity, which is the one thing that fails your attempt to get sober. So I'm thinking about your. Um office neighbor who sometimes watches us and never comments publicly. I won't say her name, but I hope you're watching this one because you might find this entertaining both from a uh, department standpoint and an addiction standpoint. Sorry, back to you. Um, 
I'm sorry about the handwriting. I wanted to try and get a copy. As he stopped waving it around, it's hard to read. Um, yeah, I took notes. I'm an academic. This is the change model. So you start off here at the status quo. So nothing changes. I'm going to lead it forward a little. Thank you. Okay. And then you have the change. And then you get to down here. Can your change work? So you get to the stage where they call disruption. You're trying to get sober in this case. And that there is your decision point. That's what they try and force you, force you to think of when you're in rehab. You're sober. Your mind's clear. Do you want to stay sober? Oh, That's okay. The point. So you can either then think about what will work, what will make me change, how do I work, who do I talk to, and you can come up here, come above the status quo, and then move into innovation, which is ways mm. to stay sober or get away from any addiction that you have. You know, I think this speaks so clearly to what we often say and had no idea would be true when we started Daily Dose was that so much of this conversation mm. is applicable to just simply being alive. Yeah. It's not about saying, well, I don't have an alcohol problem, so there's nothing here for me. I Can you explain that a little bit deeper? Because I... I'm not exactly making the connection with you because I didn't have this? hours and hours of it. Um, sure. If, if that's what you just showed us, that's okay. not quite what so, you showed. There we go. So there's, there's your change model again. So yeah, there's your status quo. So state, So let's, let's apply it to drinking for the purposes of this conversation. This is you pre-February 1st, 2017? Yep. Okay. So this is all the years that Maz was... Drinking yeah, heavily. So status quo is before the change. What was what was considered your base behavior? Right. Why does it go down? Because when you decide to make a change, there's disruption. I'm going to just lift it up because you can't see it. Yep. Okay. So your daily routine oh, is broken up. So this is the nosebleed. Yeah. Okay. This is the nosebleed so of January 31st. This could be going down. So everything now is different. It's a change. It's disrupted your activity. So your activity base level is no longer up here because it's all come down here because you don't know what's happening. Okay. That's where your decision point is. So this is the day that I came to visit your rehab yeah. and you lied your face off. Joanne dismissed you from the meeting, told me you had narcissistic personality disorder and that you were never, ever going to be a sober human being. And that was my decision point because actually I wanted to be a sober human being. So... So that's disruption. Now, at that point, at your decision point, you make the adaptation. I want to be different. I want to change. So you start changing. Now, you'll get to the point here where you could go back into status quo and think, you know mm -hmm. what, I'm all right. Or you can say, no, I want my change to take effect. So you go into what they refer to as the innovation stage where you're, mm -hmm. you're productive. And you're successfully working on things. And that is your change. And the results are higher than your status quo They're up here because you've made a positive change. So this rises up from where it was. Hmm. This is you. Makes sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. You needed to explain it that clearly. I just want to give people a chance to see it. Because I didn't quite get it when you first explained it. Um, and the other thing that I absolutely do now. So you could Google like 
business models. There's about yeah. eight different business models about how to make change. There's that one. There's the McKenzie 7S model. But we were told that all of them you have to take into account with this one. I can't. Is that the one? I, I'll hold it. Read that one out of it. The Kubler-Ross change curve. This deals with everything in business, but it's applied to human emotion. Let me just show it to you quick, and then we'll let Maz talk through it. So sorry. Okay, go ahead. So this one is all about it? people. So you got surprise and shock of an event. You can deny it. It happens. Or... If you think about it, you can get frustrated about it. You can fall into depression. After that depression, you have low mood. You can experiment on saying, I don't want to be down here. I want to try and get up here. So you change your behaviors. And then you get a decision which puts you back to where your shop was. Do I want to stay where I was because I survived this? Or do I want to start a program that will get me up here when I'm more innovative I'm happier and my progress through life can progress. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time. So any business model that you wanted to do, and this was for academic purposes, this one has to be taken into account because it deals with how people react to change. That's why I wanted to show it's, you this one. It's almost like the seven stages of grief. It is kind it is of actually kind of like that. I mean, so here, so we didn't talk about this at all. Maz just told me that he had some. Uh, revelations today during this training about how to apply it to daily dose. So you're learning it as I'm learning it. But as I'm listening to you, I am reminded once again that we all like to think that our problems are unique, that nobody could understand us, that we operate from a very singular position. And that humans are different than departments, which are different than business, mm. which is different than government, which is different than all the. We are constantly, as human beings, try, trying to differentiate ourselves and stand out. But the reality is, is that we are, in essence, sheep. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in the sense of we all have a baseline. Our baseline might be at different places, but we all have a baseline. Sometimes that baseline dips and it's what you do in the dip yeah. that matters. You can go back to the baseline. You can exceed the baseline. You can continue until you kill yourself intentionally or unintentionally to dip down. I, there's just not that many options actually at the end of the day because human beings are kind of all wired the same. Yeah. So I don't have an alcohol problem. It doesn't mean that this doesn't resonate for me in other ways. And I'm betting that it's true for you too. So just to show you this again, one thing, I don't know who's, I should, oh gosh, Stop this doing is why that. I just use PowerPoints. I mean, thank <laughs> God we don't have overheads anymore. No one in my class would learn anything. All right. Except how dizzy they could get. <laughs> this, I, some famous person said this quote, I don't remember who it was, but we should not be defined by the choices we make. We should be defined by the actions we take when uh -huh. we made the choice. That's what this is about. So whatever you're struggling with, fill in your blank, fill in the, the blank for your struggle. It does not matter what it is. You have a baseline. You might dip down. You might be in the dip. How are you going to do this?
because fat is actually all that matters. That's affecting a change. And yes, it's scary. Yep. But in the case of addiction, in the case of me, it certainly was necessary. And I'll be honest with you, it was scary, not just for me. It was scary. It was a scary time. It's easy to forget that five plus years later. It was a tremendously scary time. Mm. The uncertainty, the things that I was told were likely to happen, almost bent me sideways. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't. Me too. Well, thanks, Dr. Mary. Well, that was super no, interesting. I, I tell you, I had a I went into this with an open mind. I said, I can't go in there and go, because I'm not 12. <laughs> it's, it's like when you go to your math class first thing in the Monday morning. Stop it now. We're almost, you know, we're past time. Wrap it up. I, I just went, let's, this is going to be positive. Let's go. And it, it, I tell you, it's um, because, and mostly because I got a kick out of being able to apply it to this. It was an incredibly interesting day. So I'm actually looking forward to tomorrow. That is saying something. Yes. All right, everybody, we'll be back on Thursday with a guest live. So we will see you then. Um, just in case you haven't figured it out. My God, the heat is Elaine when she's dating the guy who's a Christian, Putty, who says her, oh yeah, you're going to hell. Oh, and oh, she's Seinfeld. all concerned about going to hell. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> in seen, Seinfeld. I've never seen Seinfeld. So I know that's been bothering you this whole time. Rest easy. We'll see you Thursday. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L.com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.